Hey guys, it's Chris, and I'm here to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by The Real Rider. Move over Peloton. Now is time to experience the world's first moving stationary bike. You can sculpt your body with the incredible full body workout that is proven to burn 20% more calories than a standard stationary bike. Adding turns to your spin class takes your mobility and fitness to a whole new level. Become a better athlete and ride to our virtual classes that are fun and motivating. Order yours today at www.realridercanada.ca. That's R-Y-D-E-R. So www.realridercanada.ca. Now, let's start the damn show. This is Jerome McGinley, and you're listening to Get the Puck Out. All right, guys, welcome back to Get the Puck Out, brought to you by TarpsOffHockey.net. I am your host, Chris Mancuso, and today we have a very special guest, um, first-round draft pick in the NHL, an author, ball hockey legend, and certified beauty, Terry Ryan is here. Terry, how are you today, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Oh, very good, man. Very good. You know, uh, we're in a heat wave right now in Ontario. I don't know if uh, what it's like out in Newfoundland, but it's been crazy ass hot here. So just uh, been spending a lot of time, a lot of the mornings outside and then uh, kicking it in the air conditioning during the day. But uh, the days are going to get a little better now as the NHL is on its way back for August 1st and we have a 2014 tournament. So off the hop, I just want to get, what's your take on it? Uh, do, you, do you like the 2014 tournament? tournament do you think there's too many teams uh or or what, what, what's your take on how the nhl has decided to handle coming back from this pandemic uh to be honest with you i don't mind like that really was i don't want to say irrelevant but that was the least of my worries i just wanted to see some way for there to be a cup given i mean you you know and i know in these days you, you know a lot of people a lot of fans a lot of players maybe too in the spoken word of Twitter and everything, you, you kind of lose the fact that, it, yes, it's a business, but, you know, people do want to win the Stanley Cup. I, I know now you see fans want to win, and I'm not saying that players don't, but it, within this, pe- people are, I hear a lot of fans talking about how this format would suck and that format would be silly. Look, the players don't care really if it's one game, but it, it's less than ideal. It's less than ideal, but whatever I figured they come up with, and that's what they came up with, would be something that everybody agreed on, and I just want to see the Stanley Cup given out. Uh, How they got there is really, again, not irrelevant to me. It was just important that they try. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, uh, when you play 70 games of a season and you, you put that much into it, I mean, the league has no choice but to award the Stanley Cup. You can't burn all those games for no reason. And a lot of these franchises, man, just scrape their ass to even make a dollar at the end of the year. The Floridas, the Coyotes, franchises like that. So they got to get back and finish it here. Now, um, the other big news, obviously, outside of the CBA actually getting extended without a lockout in the Gary Bettman era, which was nice to fucking see. Um, the, The draft lottery. That was a strange one. Now, we watched an hour draft lottery show back last Friday night or two Fridays ago. Now, I don't even know. Time all feels the same uh, this day and age. But we come to the end, and the winner can be one of the eight teams that get eliminated from the play-in round. Is that something you thought was okay, or or did it lose you a bit there? Like, I'm cool with the 24-team tournament, but I think that's crazy that – these teams now that lose out eight have like a 12% chance and Detroit had like 18. It's basically the same odds. Yeah. I, I, 
strongly disagree. I, I do think, you know, most of the history, you know, you, you need to have a draft and it needs to be structured. And I know that this is a real monkey wrench thrown in. I get that it's hard for everybody, but I think that was a very, very poor decision. And it looks a little bit Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And it was like, uh, I know that people um, that I've talked to on the other end of it um, say like, they try to say, Oh, well it was good. Cause it got everybody talking this, that, and the other, but you just said Mickey mouse. And that's what it looked like to me. It looked like a, like a Bush league move. Um, I'm not even a huge draft lottery guy. Anyway, I'm kind of, I, I think the NFL has it right when the worst team, the shittiest team that year ends up getting the top player. Like that's available. I think that's, yeah. that's traditionally how it should go. And I know that these leagues like the NBA and the NHL to a very much more degree are, are behind the MLBs and the NFLs. Right. So they always try to add a little flair and a little spice to fan it up. But I think this was just a case of them getting in their own way. So yeah, we were talking a little bit before we came on here. Um, obviously anybody that knows, you know, you were taken uh, eighth overall by the Montreal Canadians. And now they're, a franchise that has a chance to, you know, if the Pittsburgh Penguins beat them, which Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and everybody, unless Carey Price rips a horseshoe out of his ass, which he could, um, they should be in the, the running for uh, Lafreniere. And that would be an immense opportunity for a kid who lives and is born just uh, just north of Montreal. What do you think the pressure would be like on a kid? And you, you've handled it. What, what, what's that Montreal media like? Well, I mean, it depends on how you want to take it. I mean, I, I, you know, what happened to me, I guess I was a kid and um, on top of, you know, I, I didn't like my coach, Michelle Terry, but that was in the minors. You know, I was treated pretty well up top. I spent most of 96, 97 there, even though I played three or four games. But, you know, I was a junior player, so they didn't send me back till late January. So, I, you know, I got to see what the world was like for a first round pick there. And, you know, yeah, there was pressure, but. First of all, everybody's pulling for you. Um, and I find, to me, again, circumstances worked, it worked out differently. But, you know, yeah, there was days of immense pressure. I felt more in pressure being, being the only Newfoundlander at the time, like the highest Newfoundlander ever taken. I, I felt more pressure back here at home, like trying to carry the torch. And, you know, so many people were, you know, I couldn't walk through the mall back here. Like, you know. Yeah. So many people wanted me to succeed. So to me, it was that far, you know, the Montreal part of it. Yeah. Your first round pick. Usually again, I'm not, I'm not poo pooing it here because there is something to it. But to me, if you're going to go first overall, chances are you, you love a challenge and you know, you're, and it's your home. If, if Newfoundland had a team, I would embrace that. I, I wouldn't feel, mm, yeah, you wouldn't run. I, I feel like it was a privilege. Yeah, yeah, so, and, you know, it's, it seems to me, you know, he's on center stage at the World Juniors at 16, dangling guys. I would think he'd love to be closer to, to his hometown, the better. I can't speak for everybody now. Again, again, I'm getting away from the question, though. You're asking me what that's like. Um, yeah, so I think he will feel the pressure, but I believe that that's the biggest thing that you hear about in the media is, is always, like, these young guys and the pressure – there is, but you, you, you also have to realize that each year that goes by, more and more people are there to welcome you. You've got tr specific trainers. You, you know, I was happy to meet the people on the Habs. It was, it was great. And, you know, to be asked to train there all summer, you know, there was nothing wrong with hanging out with Patrick Waugh and Mike Keane and Shane Corson and these guys and kind of guys. So, uh, you know, and, and the Habs have great leaders. So I can't 
I can't see how that would be a bad situation. Now, the fact that they get him is a bit, 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 a bit of bullshit, to be honest. Yeah, they, they shouldn't be in the running, but they might get him. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I understand that. And you said when you got there, um, Michelle Terrian was your minor league coach. What was difficult about working with him? Because, I mean, he's a guy who has had stints all over the NHL. And a guy, like, when he left Montreal the first time, you never would have thought you would have seen them go back to him a second time like they did. But, they, you know, they went from Terrian to Julian, back to Terrian to Julian, right? But uh, what, what was difficult about working with, uh, with Michelle? I just find him, found him very stern. I didn't find him very nice. He was dictator-like. Um, you know, Not a good there was guy. a lot... There was a lot about his personality um, that, you know, I, I don't I think Donald Trump. You know, okay. I think Donald Trump. Like, you know, there was a lot of, again, I want to say lies, but I, I felt like he was a manipulator. And again, I don't, I don't want to get political. I'm just saying if, if we can believe, if we can know one thing about Donald Trump, he probably twists the truth a little bit, yeah. uh, exaggerates, might make up a certain situation. He's got a very big ego, so anybody else to walk into the room that's even close, you know, he looks down on, and there's a reason. You know, there's a reason he doesn't like Justin Trudeau, and I don't think it has anything to do with politics. I think because he's a freewheeling, good-looking cat. Well, yeah. I, I, I got the sense that it was as fickle with Michelle Therrien. Again, not saying I'm any better looking, no. But as a first-round pick, um, I just... I, I think he wanted to keep you in line. He, yeah, he had he a hard on for wanting to make like an example and be tough on the first round. Yeah, he wanted soldiers. He didn't want, you know, PK Subban celebrating after goals wasn't good. You know, like, and I knew that when I was watching it. Um, me, you know, dyeing my hair blue or something one weekend was not good. Even like going yeah. to concerts, I, I, I know, I just know he assumed a lot because of maybe the appearance or the way I talk or my. And the other thing was in Montreal, I, I can I can say the only organization ever that I had a problem like that. Like it was very very foggy because I I'm a joker in the room, and I really tread the line with a lot of things, you know. Um, so I don't think they understood that. But but see, Michelle was my main translator because in the NHL, you know, I got along fine with Reggie Hull. I, I didn't think he was the greatest GM, and I think he should have given me a bigger shot. I think you'd give a first rounder 100 games to fail. That's yep. me. But 100%. I, I certainly didn't, didn't not like the guy. He seemed like a real genuine nice guy. And I, again, I, I go to games now and I, I've sat with him. You know, there's no, I, I'm not a guy that holds a grudge. I understand if they didn't like the, you know, the, my style of play. And, 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 you know, he pretty much told me back in the day, they didn't draft me. Serge Savard did and Jacques Demers. And Reggie mm -hmm. told me, you know, if, if you're a better skater, maybe. But, you know, I don't see you like these, those guys. He was very honest. Alan Vigneault was a very nice professional man was coached. So I, I'm not really ever complaining about the ice time up top. I just really, I, I wish I'd gotten more. I think I could have, I think I could have earned a spot. Uh, I should have. But the thing is in the minors, I just hated, I, I don't mind saying it. I did not like life around Michelle Therrien. Now I do want to finish that up by saying, had I, I, you know, I was also immature in the way I handle it. I call my agent and my third year of my contract, I just said, I don't want to go back. Just, just anywhere but there. And then that's where it started. And Reggie even called me in November and I said, no, I didn't want to be anywhere around Michelle Therrien. And I wasn't even thinking money or fame or anything. I, I, I feel it was almost like a nervous breakdown. It was almost yeah. that sort of thing. And to this day, I don't remember having one like it. I, there was two or three and I just said enough, enough. And uh, do I forgive him? Yes. Because again, I, I know that I just think he was a new, he was a French coach. Like I said, the line was foggy and I'm sure to, uh, you know, I'm a big personality, but again, most coaches, I can't think of any other than that, 
that didn't embrace it in some way. You know, I was never kind of a problem with the coach. And if I did, I would go in and, and talk about it. And I was intimidated and I didn't. I never did go in with Michelle and talk about it. And maybe I should have done that. So I'm not, I'm not totally blaming him. I just didn't like the guy. No, hey, then that's fair. And I know that was a big part of your book that you wrote, um, Tales of a First Round Nothing. I've started kind of skimming through it. And that's a, that's a really cool thing as well, you know, self-deprecating a little bit in the title. But um, what was it like to move from playing hockey all your life and then focus on something like uh, articulate and, and, and like telling your life story? Well, I'm an only child. So, and back in the day with no internet and, and not as many at least social video games. Yeah, I'm, you know, it was kind of like a, 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 not a brother, but it was certainly a companion because yeah. I had to go out west and play junior at 14. And I really, I know you'd never say it now. And I always seem to have, I am a glasses half full kind of guy, but I'm also a realist. And at the time I was, uh, you know, I was just like, I couldn't make, not believe that I was leaving home at 14 to go play junior in another mm-hmm. province you know, up north. And again, the globalization of the internet wasn't there. I, not only could I not talk to my friends, but I mean, I was getting stereotyped. You know, I was getting laughed at at school. You know, you Newfoundlander, where's your, where's your door? Have you ever seen a TV? Yeah, you know, like yeah. Anybody, that must have been you know, tough because you were in the W. You were in the Western. Yeah, w. I'm the only Newfoundlander to make that move. So it was... I knew as time went on and it became easier, but the thing is I had my book. So I, my, and I was growing up, I was, I would always be writing speeches and, you know, I was into, I was into that side of things. I was good at English. I was entering in local poetry competitions, shit like that. Like, so and not something that no one else, I almost kept it a secret from all my hockey buddies. And at the time I probably, and especially the school I went to fairly tough at the time, I probably would have gotten a punch in the face to be honest with you. If I was, <laughs> showed any interest in acting or any of that or anything that I do now. So um, I just, I had that man, that companion in the back of my mind, I was like very, very deep subconscious in my deep subconscious was, I know somewhere in there was like, eventually someone's going to read this, but it just, I, I didn't really know how or what, but I was, I was keeping it for some sort of reason. It just wasn't personal. And I just ended up with, sometimes now they were, weren't very well articulated. It might, like my first game against Wayne Gretzky. I remember I, just on the way out of the room, I wrote down like what we both had on, like were, how many people were at the game, like when it was like, you know, it was just so I'd remember the major parts. And the other thing is I'm, I'm a storyteller and I never wanted to lose the essence of these stories because I felt that something unique was happening to me. Whether I made it or not, just the, just the journey was extremely unique coming from Mount Pearl, Newfoundland. And um, so and then not only, you know, I had that gut feeling when I went out West when I was 14. I mean, I ended up going to one of the most, historic sports franchises on earth uh you know i ended up being in, in movies and, and, and given public or doing stand-up comedy with jerry d that was a little section of my life so the, it just it paid off to have the journal but to be honest that's why because i was shy and i uh i needed a companion and then after a while then i mean that wall got broken down and i was quickly you know one of the biggest jokesters in the room but at that point it was established and it became habitual Definitely. Now, I know you said that um, you're a bit of a storyteller and you like to make sure you do that. I saw your, uh, your stuff with Bissonette there with the spit and chiclets. There was some uh, absolute beautiful stories amongst that. And anybody listening to this should absolutely uh, check that out. I mean, the Milbury story you told, uh, the, the little pre-interview, uh, the, the pre-draft insight was some of the funniest shit I've ever heard. I was actually shocked to hear the kind of questions that you get, um, even being hockey, right? Like I, I always kind of 
knew that they would probably not be really afraid to give you um, some scenarios. But uh, the, a scenario of a chick giving you 10 minutes before a curfew uh, spreads her legs open for you. <laughs> That's a pretty fucking funny conversation, man. So, uh, yeah, no, I could tell you love to uh, tell the story and reminisce. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, that's really cool. Um, I know you're doing like some other business adventure stuff now as well, which we'll get into. But one thing being in Niagara Falls, um, and I know you're really big into it. You're actually a huge ball hockey player, which is cool. Um, I have some friends that do that there. Um, you can play uh, anywhere in the world. It's actually such a big sport. What kind of drew, drew you into, into playing ball hockey um, post ice hockey stuff? Well, like, what was the draw there? Well, the, the, I'll tell you, there, there was one draw, and that was that I was injured. I, I got to be honest with you. I grew up loving ball hockey and playing a little bit in the summer, but you see, Newfoundland has a huge history. There's pockets of candidates big. In the 80s, we, had, we won four national championships now. Yep. Being a Newfoundland athlete, I'll tell you what it's like when we go to the nationals, right? You, and I played national events growing up. I was at baseball, uh, hockey, and soccer, and usually it's either us or PEI or the Yukon if they're in or, or territory that you open up the tournament playing the host team, wherever it is. So the host team can beat you seven or eight to one. Everybody gets a free hot dog and goes home and oh, Newfoundland. Oh, shucks. What a great bunch of guys, you know, but host won it. That's usually the perspective that's taken on a Newfoundland team leaving. But there are a few sports that we can win the national championship. And one of them is ball hockey. You, I, I'd probably extend that to fast pitch softball, rugby. Um, you know, it's possible in other sports, but baseball, for example, we, everybody knows the story. We last won it in 1967, right? Yeah. I think they came third like three years ago. Uh, men's soccer won it once in the 80s, 1988, Holy Cross. So you see, I'm from a place that we're – see how I know those things. A lot of people know them because local sports are big, and we know when yeah. we're in a national event. And So growing up, I went to watch the best players in town. You had to pay five bucks to get, well, I guess two bucks at the time, five now. You pay to go in and see these events. So people pay to see local ball hockey here. So, oh, cool. Yeah, it's a big, big thing. So I'd played in a couple of, like, you know, provincial championships, but it was kind of under the radar. And the reason being, especially when I got drafted, I had to quit soccer and all that because of the injury factor, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get injured playing ball hockey or soccer. I didn't yeah. even really bring it up much. And I'm sure the Habs, I believe talking to Stefan Dubé, who was their trainer guy then, um, you know, they'd rather I didn't play as well. So, but now I think that's opening up and people are realizing there's other ways to train. And, you know, if you get hurt, you get hurt because you could fall off the treadmill. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. But what happened was I hadn't played much. And in 2001, I, I hurt my ankle in Dallas Stars Camp. I finally got out of Montreal. And I got uh, Darian Hatcher fell on a warm up, and no one even really knew. I, I knew it was something. It was something shooting up my leg, but it was, it was a high ankle sprain. Oh, those are deadly. And those are horrible. It was you. horrible. It didn't get better. I just kept they trying to play this. It ruined not only my whole year. I can still feel it now. I play senior <laughs> hockey and everything, but I mean, I turned one way like a seven forty seven. I love mm -hmm. the game, and I can play. Uh, but I've and I've been been playing senior hockey for the last fifteen years. But that's that's what happened. So yeah. And I immediately, I knew it. I went to Boise and it, 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 yeah, it felt a bit better, but I never, never got that back. And I came home and yeah. got a scope on it and I just couldn't turn it as good anymore. But the, but the thing is when I, when I ran, the, the, most of that was, the, it was a restrictive boot, right? Because the boot was so high. Mm -hmm. But when I ran, it, it seemed fine. It cut under my shoe, my, my, my shoe cut under my ankle as long as I got the low cut shoes. I really, other than being a little bit sore, 
it didn't hurt. Whereas in ice hockey, it shoots up my legs. So I really had to change my whole stride. Right. Again, yeah. I love it and I still play, but I'm not, I'm not the same skater. It was immediate one day to the next, right. <laughs> after I did that, but not in ball hockey. So, and you know, the national, the world championships were taking off. So a guy named George, George Gorstotes, who's now, I think the head of the international committee, but he was there. He was a coach, legendary coach of Canada. And yeah. they were in the middle of winning four or five and they asked me to play. So I went overseas in, in Sierra, Switzerland and, uh, and Tony Nitto, I should say from Montreal, he was the GM and they got me on that team. And I quickly realized that just cause I'm a good ball uh, ice hockey player. I mean, I, I could get by, but I, a, I needed to lose weight. I just, I, I just. Oh, running's you know, half the battle, man. Like if I, you yeah. can run as long as you can, if you, if you can run. You can yeah. A, so yeah, you can find a useful position for you. Yeah. Least. But I had gone there. They picked me up like six months after I, I my, my, I, I signed my retirement papers and I, I put on weight. Like I didn't think I was going to play. I was kind of depressed. I just got divorced. Mm. So I went over there and I was probably like 240 pounds right now. I'm 195, for example. So I, and I saw what was ahead of me. And I know now looking back and George has told me is that's what I want to do to see. He said, you were the one guy on the team. He said, you weren't there for 2003. You were there for 2005 and 2007. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I see. So he, even in the championship game, I had one shift. But I saw, and he knew that I was a competitor. And once I saw that I could be one of the best in the world at something, I started training as, as hard as I could. I went down to 195. I ran marathons. I finished. The, I came first in the uh, training, the physical testing the next time around. So the boys, nice. it's every two years. So in 03, you know, I, I'm not saying I didn't contribute, but, you know, I played defense. I took face-offs. Again, in the championship game, I played one shift in the – in the next time, and when we came to camp in 2005, I knew it. I was like, and everybody knew it. Okay, I, I wasn't screwing around anymore. Like, I, I can't play ice hockey the way I want, but if I can be one of the best. And then 2007, I was on the World All-Star team. We won our third in a row. And uh, then 9-11-13, silver, uh, bronze, bronze. And, uh, you know, then I'm still playing. And in 18, we won the masters world championships and we were on our way to Prague two months ago until this happened but it's a yeah. big, big part of my life yeah my buddy Brian Zolga's big time into it now did I think he was with you guys in 13 was that yeah right? and and then he was he was on it in 15 so I helped scout the team in 15 as well so gotcha. I've never been removed totally and I remember 13 it was here in Newfoundland and I was in my yeah. late mid to late I was 36 so 35. So I, 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 you know, one of the problems, not problems, but I, I just, you know, it's ball hockey. So I, I can hang on longer and longer and longer, or there's some kid that's coming up. That's got wicked legs. Yeah. It's 2021, 20, 22. And that's always the way I saw it. And I'd had my cake and eaten it too. I, I'd won three world championships. And like I said, even though 13, we got the bronze, it was here in Newfoundland and it was a nice way for me to go out and the world level of the A men's. And like I said, we hosted it here last year, the nationals. And I played still, I still play just that men's team, Canada, a division, you know, yeah, I, exactly. I've scouted for them since, you know, I helped them out if they got camp, especially the Newfoundland players. I'm seeing them play all the time. And we're great. We always got five, six, seven guys last time on the team. So I still have a heavy role just as far as playing. I play the masters. Yeah, no, that that's incredible, man. I mean, it was a big part of my childhood growing up. I used to play with like Zolga, a bunch of guys. We would go down to uh, Lemonster, where like Bobby Hauser's dad has yeah, the thing, and yeah. we're I'm buddies with Bobby too. Uh, unbelievable ball hockey player. Um, Bobby, Bobby is one of the biggest legends. We've had some absolute battles. Yeah, one of my best games ever 
was in 2011, at the, and we knocked them out uh, the semifinals into the final. That was in, in Bratislava. And one of his best games ever was the championship before it in Prague, just two hours away. He did the exact same thing. He buried us. He buried Team Canada. It was actually my first loss I'd ever experienced with Canada. And Bobby Hauser was, when I say MVP of the game, I mean by far. He, he, yeah. he carried them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we were in the same age division growing up, right? So anytime we'd meet up, like in the falls, they had a Maple Leaf Cup. We'd go to yeah. uh, go down to Lemonster, Mass., go to Pittsburgh. And anytime you ran into Bobby, he used to play for, like, a team called the Lemonster Red Wings then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They were absolutely just fucking deadly. And, About five, uh, six guys on their squad were from there on Team USA. To be no, honest. that's what I mean. They, they've always kept those. Those guys have been playing together since they were fucking eight, seven, eight years old, these guys. Amazing. Like, they, they always grew up together playing together and and same thing like i went to school with zolka he he's an unbelievable hockey player um and an unbelievable ball hockey player and it would have been cool to see uh how you guys would have done this year but it sucks that shit gets wiped out uh from covid um now i think you were saying and sav was saying that you're in like the the, the bar industry now is that correct well kind of that, that fell upon me. My buddy owned a bar in, in Newfoundland and, and was thinking about, you know, uh, either changing it or closing it. Or he didn't know what to do. He owns a couple, right? So this one was in the family for a long time. I was there when he opened it. His name is Stephen Hancock. Anybody in downtown St. John's, he owns Queen Sleeves and runs Queen Sleeves. But he had this bar, Turkey Joe's, and we didn't know what to do. So I, he called and like literally every, everything that that I was doing, be it acting or um, public speaking or doing hockey schools, it's, it's all out the door. So I really wasn't doing anything. And, and, and then normally in this situation, I would go right to Toronto where I can get work right away doing certain, you know, all of the above, you yep. know, those things and more. Uh, so, and that's the thing, but I, you know, that's, that's the bad thing about sporadic work. I, I, I never really know. I, I'm usually pretty safe, especially in the summer. I do golf tournaments and those things, charity work. Yeah. But you know, when I'm speaking at events and stuff, but that being said, I didn't have any of that lined up. So he called and I said, you know what, maybe we should do this. And then there was certain people I knew around that were just great at what they did. And then I got them on board and um, it was, you know, it's been two weeks now, but it's been a huge success. Now, a lot of that, of course, I realize is within this shitty COVID world. And uh, you know, the first couple of weeks, it was a challenge because too many people were coming through the door. I had to get a bunch of bouncers and everything. If it wasn't a, this, you know, it's usually a good problem to have, but we, we've got to settle down. I just, I had to put a pool table in the middle of the dance floor, literally <laughs> dartboard. I, I really didn't know what else to do. So when we ordered 10 big screen TVs, we're going to have, make it more of a sports bar than anything. We got a nice deck. So anyway, I'm, I'm rambling, but yeah, there no, you go. Awesome, it's, 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 no, a, it's a new idea. It's a, the idea is a fetus. And I got to say the whole, the local hockey community is really helping me. So um, the Newfoundland growlers and all the boys that play in the queue, yeah, just a great product out there, right? Yeah. I mean, the, like like you great. said, after your time, a lot of great Newfoundland players came. I know I'm a, I'm a Bruins fan by by day, and Michael Ryder was just one of my favorite uh, favorite wingers to come through the team. Just one of the great, like, just his release on his shot is absolutely disgusting. And uh, I heard he's quite the ball hockey goalie as well uh, through through the grapevine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you know, Purcell and all these guys. I mean, Newfoundland has had Purcell. its fair share of. Uh, or is that is that right, Teddy Purcell? Is he from? Out- Purcell, yeah, Purcell's from here. When we won the national championship in two thousand and ten. We got in six silver cents, if you can believe it. But when we won the Nationals in 2010, uh, Teddy 
played on my line, and so did Adam Party. And they were both oh, in the middle okay, of their cool. NHL careers. Yeah, they no, everybody plays here, man. It's wild. It's wild. That's awesome. No, I love to hear that, man. But listen, yeah. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Terry, Ryan, thank you so much for stopping by, giving us some insight, giving us some uh, stories of what it was like going through, man. You've had a hell of a journey and uh, a humble-ass guy, man. I appreciate you coming through. No sweat. I really appreciate it. And if you need me again, just say the word. I love your show. Good luck the rest of the way, buddy. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I will do that. Thanks, Chris. Bye now.